Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. What's up, Brian? Hey, Bobby. Here we are, part two of series 22. And this one's all about avoiding excuses. Uh, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, jump back, listen to that one. Uh, we covered four big common excuses salespeople, sales managers, sales teams use. And this discussion came from a conversation that I had with a friend of mine who's a sales manager who wanted to start this year fast, right? We're in January. Everybody wants to get a fast start to the new year. Even if it's your second half, there's reasons to reinvigorate in January. Obviously, gyms make most of their money this month, so uh, it's time <laughs> to get a fresh start. But what was happening with this friend was they, they kept hearing excuses, and they, they had all of the momentum from the things we've talked about in the past on the show, but they just kept hearing a bunch of excuses. And uh, we started coming up with what he was hearing, and I made a list, and we uh, decided to break it down for you on a little podcast episode or two. And that's what we're doing this week and last so uh, we talked about a lot of good ones last week. The big one that we've all talked about, uh, not enough leads. We talked about the excuse of quotas being too high. We talked about that the competition can't be beat. We're just, our product's old and staunchy and we can't beat the competition. And we talked about uh, that our product doesn't have that one feature. Man, if it had that one feature, I'd sell three times my quota. Uh, and those are all common excuses I've heard every one of those in real time in a QBR of some sort, and I can tell you that it's never came from my best rep, but it's always come from an average rep, and I think we want to try and give you tips and tricks to overcome those and ways to think about uh, maybe not falling into a trap where you would use one of those excuses. And this week we got four more. We're going to talk about, uh, I'll save them, I won't go through all four of them, I'll save them for the show, and then we'll recap all eight at the end of today's episode. Brian, what were your thoughts from last week's show? Yeah, I think the key is, I mentioned this last week, I think the key is um, what we're saying is in a professional setting, these are unproductive. These are not helping your career. If these are the kind of things that are coming up at a QBR or with your boss, um, there may be a certain scenario to where, you know, let's say your outbound sales and inside sales isn't doing their gig. And you say, look... um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working on this. I'm not going to let this be an obstacle, but we've got to solve this scenario. There can be productive ways to bring some of these topics up in a professional setting. Complaining about it is, isn't a professional approach in a professional setting. And if you got that confidant, that person that you can talk to about the state of the business, that's healthy. As long as that relationship's not always about complaining about this or that. But the key here is these are common things that, that Bobby and I have heard over the years and here are some ways to approach it um, and not let that be the thing that's that's holding you back or, or keeping you jaded about the company you're working for. Well, last week we wrapped up the show offering again to, to take a phone call or jump on a quick conversation with anybody that's out there listening who might be in the situation. Look, if you need that confidant, you can call and complain to us or, or tell me what your excuses are. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, though, people, if you call me. Uh, and you're just complaining and you have the opportunity, then I'll, I'll probably say that. But uh, it will be a safe zone. It'll be a safe call. And uh, we're here to help. But at the same time, as Brian said, don't 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 be a whiner. 
be an overcomer, right? And uh, try to find ways to fix these. And well, maybe since Brian said that, I'll come up with ways that I might approach some of these excuses in a way to maybe rectify it if it really is a problem without without being uh, maybe a whiner in a one-on-one or something. Indeed. So let's jump into part two. So this is one that often happens at this time of the year because there's new training, there's there's new tools, Brian, we just changed CRMs and I'm having to re-enter a bunch of data. There's just too much internal work for me to be spending enough time in the field, Brian. I don't I can't make I can't do any sales calls. You're asking me to just fill out this form for this executive visit. I mean, I have no time. Yeah, this is so common and I had one person um a peer of mine said this is what you get you paid your base salary for is to do the internal work. If this is a commission only job and you're asked to do a bunch of things that aren't field selling, well, okay, maybe you've got a point here, but like this is how this is why we get paid our base salary. No doubt. And and those base salaries aren't chump change either, right? Um what I find funny is, you know, we don't ever have trouble spending the money on our expense accounts or swiping our credit card to do the happy hour or the free lunches or whatever it is that we're doing. But we just can't find time to do our expense reports or we're so busy we don't have time to get all this internal training done, which never accounts to being more than a few hours of effort, right, on the on the beginning of a quarter or throughout a quarter or even a year. The internal training is not that much. And I, every time someone in, on my teams as a manager would start talking about this stuff, I would just say, let's track it. Just write down how much time you're spending on it. <laughs> and, and we'll, we'll see if, we, if it's a problem, we'll try to address it. You know, it ends up being less than, less than 5% of their week, right? Two, three hours at most. Um, I mean, the reality, people, is we probably don't put in a full 40 sometimes. If we are putting in a full 40, meaning field reps here in this case, um, there's a lot of other things tangled in that we call work that maybe aren't quite work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the last piece to this one for me is that the, the people that do complain about the amount of internal work, they always make that 3 p.m. happy hour with customers and partners. And the, the, how, I was astounded by how much free time they ultimately have in the early afternoon, right? Yeah, and the, the challenge with this one, if if you're the person on the team that is a year behind on expense reports and uh, doesn't log their meetings or whatever kind of metrics that you're measured on, like for better or for worse, that's your digital brand internally. And if you're on that report that shows that so-and-so hasn't ex- submitted an expense report in the next number of months or so-and-so hasn't logged their customer meetings or so-and-so isn't putting in all their pipeline, that's a bad that's your digital brand for better or for worse. And you're showing up on reports as, as being behind. And, and Bobby, to your point, if you were to actually log the time it takes to be, you know, quote unquote compliant in that, you'd be off the reports, your digital brand would be hide, and you can focus on delivering sales results and not worry about that kind of stuff. Well, it's definitely not one that's going to uh, trump your quota or quota attainment. No. But if, if you are green in all these areas – and you're slipping and, and you've asked for help and you're trying to get help and you take somebody on a meeting with you, um, you'll be surprised at how less painful those conversations will be about missing um, because you've, you've gotten green in everything that you really have control of uh, and people will help you accomplish the, the quota piece later on as well. Um, the last thing I'll say about this one, 
is that it is the easiest thing in the world to do to put a reminder on your calendar that says I have quarterly training to do and knock it out before your manager has to send the first report to show that you haven't done mm-hmm. the work. And it was the easiest checkbox in the world at Dell EMC. And the report never, the email to my team never went out where I wasn't done. Um, and it, I saw the same email with the same people's names on it that they weren't done five or six more times every quarter. And I just thought, man, their one-on-one has to be weird. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> I've asked you to go home and do this two hours worth of training like ten times. Can you please just do it tonight? Uh, I don't know why in the professional world we have to do that with grown adults. So knock that stuff out, people. And then if it really is too much, and there's been occasions where I really felt like it was too much, like the, the manager lost sight of the field work and the, maybe the company lost sight of some of the field work, um, I think if you are 200% of quota, Brian, you also have the pass to be read in all these things. I mean, you can't you can't be read in quota attainment and this, but if you're blowing your number out, I can assure you every manager, every VP, everyone will find a way to get you green in these metrics. Like even if that means someone else does your training for you, you'll you'll get off the hook, I promise. Yeah, I that's that's a great point. When uh when I have been the top guy as a AE, they're far less, uh, especially on the more like transactional measurements, they care far less than that, yeah. you know. For sure. All right, so that one was too much internal work, not enough time in the field. That's the excuse. Number two this week, man, Brian, I, there's no way I can do eight meetings a week. Eight meetings a week is ridiculous. You know, I'm, I have internal meetings on Monday. I do catch up on Friday. You're asking me to almost do three meetings on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday each day. It's Houston, Texas. I can't even drive to three places in in, in an eight hour day, Brian. This is um, I, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and and really last week too. If you approach your territory as what it, what if it was your quota was twice what it is today, what would you do different? Certainly, client facing meetings would be on that list, right? No doubt. And one of the guys that you and I know well uh, worked peer uh, as a peer with at at, uh, at Microsoft for years. Um, when I joined him at another company, his his he was he is and, and was super successful there. And his feedback to me was, "Hey, the measurements five meetings a week." And this is granted uh, a forty five year old guy. The so I guess the point the reason I said he's forty five is he's not like a twenty three year old without a family, right? right? Um, his like, Hey, the measurements five, why not do 15 was his point. And that's why he is like a perennial 200% guy yep. year after year, after year, after year has set records at this company that will never be broken. And that's because he's taken this approach of, I'm not going to be the average here. Like if I want to find deals and I want to find pipeline, I, why would I be second in this metric? Because it is the most impactful when it comes to finding pipeline. It really is. And and every time as a rep, I heard it from other people that said it just can't be done. And and what happens in that case is what it can't be, eight can't be done, so we just do none, right? We just don't meet with anybody. And so it's not like we're getting to seven and eight truly is impossible. It's like it's just an excuse, right? So first off, avoid that and do as many as you can do and, and prove it, right? As Brian said, if 15 is really possible, go do it. But if, it, if it's truly impossible, I would challenge you to start with 
making that many touch points with your customers. So if it is five and you, you set the goal of 15, but you personally can't be a 15, then drive your virtual team, drive your partner base, find a way to connect, pick up the phone and call them, make the 15 touch points. Now don't turn that into the excuse of, well, I'm making the 15 touch points. I don't know why I got to go face to face. There's nothing that changes the power of a face to face sales meeting I'll argue that till the end of time. I can learn so much and I can get so much out of it. And I can, I also just say on this excuse, I've never fired anyone because they didn't get to eight every week. And we, as many times uh, as I might have tried to track it, as many times as I've asked people to put their meetings in CRM, if the team's members are blowing out their number or above plan, this isn't a metric that gets watched. This is the one that gets scrutinized for the person that is at 50%. is missing, three yeah. And can't get their job done, and they're like always in the office or never able to be found. They never answer their phone. Their customers are asking me, have you seen so-and-so? I haven't got that quote yet. That's the person that's going to get slammed for not doing their meetings. Yeah, and you're right. You can't replace a face-to-face meeting. Um, however, if it was five face-to-face meetings – and then 10 calls to where you're learning about, you know, you're learning who players are in the account. Let's say that's a new territory for you, right? Like and you're striping the territory and you're trying to figure out, okay, what, what is the landscape of the territory? And you have five face-to-face meetings, but you talk to 10 or 12 or 15 companies over the course of the week. That's success. That's showing that you're making progress in your territory. And then I, the, I think what always comes to mind on, on this type of metric um, is uh, Bobby, you and I both listen to a lot of Adam Carolla stuff, and he talks about his was it his landscapers that would always leave the gate open oh, yeah. to his pool, and um, they they'd always forget, right? They'd, they'd come in, mow the yard, and they'd forget to close the gates of the pool. And at the time, he had young kids, and he was afraid the young kids were gonna come in through the open gate and drown in the pool, which would be a terrible scenario. And uh, he kept telling the the lawn people, you know. Don't leave that gate open. You're gonna. One of my kids is gonna end up in that pool, and, and that's gonna be a bad scenario. And um, what always comes to mind is his his answer to this was, um, "I'll tell you what. You leave that gate open again, and I'm gonna fine you five thousand dollars. Yep. Like you're gonna get an invoice from me for five thousand dollars for leaving that gate open. That gate never got left open again. Of course not. And so I guess the point of this was like, what if a, a quote unquote gun was to your head and you had to do this, how would you solve for this equation? Well like you'd come up with an answer, right? You'd you'd figure it out. Yeah, and we're paid lots of money to make these meetings and make these sales, but what if you had a a, a, a kicker, a, a a a sales bonus, if you made the if you made eight meetings, you were gonna get a thousand dollars a meeting that you attended. But if you didn't if you got to seven you were going to get zero dollars. Like how many, figure people, it out. how many people would make eight meetings a week then? Um, and probably and like, it, and we're all about doing the math. Like what would that math yield, Bobby? Oh. Like if you were able to meet one or two more companies and develop one or two more deals for the year, every week, week after week after week, that thousand dollars is not, um, that's not a unrealistic uh, bonus. Now it's not going to come in the. Uh, it's it's not going to be sent as your on your paycheck as a thousand dollars for that eighth meeting, but it may be that twenty thousand dollar bonus that comes from that deal that you found because you did that extra meeting. No doubt, no doubt. So show your boss that you're hungry. Don't complain. Go find a way to knock those meetings down and make your customers happy, and find more deals. That was- and if you think that we're like 
since we're both not AEs anymore, if, if you think this is the one that we're being weird about, I can tell you firsthand the people that are killing it year after year after year, this is one thing they do way different than everyone else. No doubt. And they don't text our customers. We can complain about that one later, too. <laughs> All right, number three this week. Brian, I, I've, I've said this a million times. Marketing is not doing their job, man. I'm not getting the top of my funnel. It's not full. Yeah. What do you expect me to do about I, that? I mean, I, I kind of put this in this in a similar bucket as inside sales, not getting enough good leads. Um, when I, at a company I worked, help lead up sales for, um, the, as I met with a VP of marketing, uh, her, her comment always stuck with me is sales will say to marketing, we don't have enough and we don't have qualified opportunities. And that's simply not marketing's job. <laughs> it's a partnership. And it is, if, if anything is a unperfect equation, this is one of them. This is very dissimilar to our previous one where like a, more meetings equals more pipeline. Marketing events are like it's such an imperfect um, thing. Like you don't know what's going to be a hit. Things that I thought would be the perfect marketing events have fallen flat on their face. Things that I thought were like the most generic event to where why would we ever pull this thing off have driven 40 people to it. This is a really difficult thing and this is all about partnership because it, as long as you have a hardworking counterpart that's running marketing, uh, like your local regional marketing manager, as long as you have someone that's hardworking and getting after it, partner with them to find out what's going to be successful because it's it's this is hard, no doubt. And I, when whenever I've heard a rep say marketing's not doing their job, normally my first question back is, "Are you right?" Like you said, it's a partnership, and is is the sales rep or sales team doing their job? Look, all big companies, and maybe you don't work for a big company, have big annual events. Do you know when those events are? Are they top of mm -hmm. mind for you? Are you using the invites that marketing sent? Are you using the copy that marketing sent in your proposals? Um, I think often it just goes ignored, and they, they want that silver bullet. We all want that silver bullet. If I have X and I close a bunch of deals, then great, I'm a perfect sales rep. But it's not you doing that at that point. It's somebody else. So I, I challenge everyone, know about those big events, know those annual events, be the be the person, like the guy or girl that's getting all their training done, be the person that leads the attendance driving to those big events. Make sure you have representation there. It's, a, it's part of your brand. If none of your customers go to the biggest event, that's on you. And there's all kinds of tips and tricks on how you can see the ticket in a deal or find a way to get into that deal if they can't travel, blah, blah, blah. We, we can We can solve for that. Um, and Bobby, if you, um, as an AE, if you requested a meeting with the marketing manager or the regional, whatever they're, they're called for your specific company, would that person ever decline that meeting? No, they want to hear what's working and what's not working. They probably have thicker skin than most sales reps, and they, they really want to hear it. They want to talk to customers. The, the marketing managers that I've worked with were amazingly shocked every time they were in territory because they're normally a... A pretty they cover a pretty broad piece of dirt right so when the Dell EMC person was in Houston and I would offer to take her on sales calls to meet my customers talk to them firsthand she was enthralled with that opportunity because mm -hmm. most most of the time they're in a cubicle somewhere hoping the message is landing right but they they need to see that so make it truly a partnership like Brian said 
Uh, don't make it about them versus us. Make it that make it a, a joint venture, and then find ways to not reinvent the wheel. Use everything they're giving you first, and if none of that really works, then partner with them on some creative ideas uh, that might change the game in your territory. And if you're a sales manager here, or sales director or VP here, like as you work on the events and the event calendar have your team on those calls and commit together. And if, if you don't think if, if your team doesn't think this, this um, upcoming event's going to be very good or the event that's out in June is going to be good, then change it, but figure out as a team, what are we going to commit to as a group? And, and it needs to, and then if we're all bought in on it, then we're going to like, to your point, we're going to go all in on sending out invitations to it and getting, driving our prospective customers or existing customers to that. But decide, together as a team, this is the plan that we're behind. And, and sending advice is important, but I, I'll say in your meetings, make sure you tell mm-hmm. them and get like an eye to eye, man to man, band to woman, woman to woman commitment. I'm coming to that event. You're going to participate in that event. We talked about gives and gets over and over. Make sure that if you give something that you're getting attendance to these events, help, help, help. It's going to drive your revenue number and goals up and you're going to make a lot more money uh, don't just say it's marketing's responsibility. Number four, and this is the last one out of this two-part series. If you liked it and you want more, we'll do more. But this is number four. Our process stinks, Brian. Man, if if we did, it, if we had a better sales process, or we, you know, if I had more specialists that would engage at the right times. I mean, what are these people at corporate thinking? The process sucks. No one's bought in, so I'm not gonna sell anything. Yeah, there's too many steps. There's too few steps. Uh, certainly heard them all here. Well, so what do you do? You I, just follow the. You just Bobby as a professional seller with 25 years sales experience. You just kind of close your eyes and you just follow the steps. Well, I just bitch about it. I tell people if <laughs> I had if I had a marketing team that was firing on all cylinders, and I had an inside rep that was getting you know good leads, Brian. They were getting good leads, and then that sell that inside rep did their dang job. And they turn that lead into a you know ninety nine percent opportunity, and then put made a meeting for me so I could meet my meeting goals. And then I went on that meeting, and the customer transacted uh, more than my quota on each deal. Then I would be blowing it out. But the the key there, people, is you're not needed. If if all those things were working, then one needs you to go pick up the check. Like mm-hmm. the company would figure that out and not have the cost of sales that they have today. Um, I don't know that there's going to be a perfect process. I think some of the things that we've talked about and built over time are, are things that we've we've made perfect for us, right? It's not going to work for everybody. Um, but if the process really does stink, you should use a different one. And if you are using a different one and you're blowing your number out, no one's going to tell you you really need to go back and use this other process. You know, we use medic here, and I don't think you're doing the second D in the medic. And, you know, I know you're 200%, but I got to have you do the second D in medic. No manager is ever going to say that. So figure it out. But you also can't go completely rogue, right? So, um, Brian, your sales manager, you've got to have a conversation about deals and certain probabilities and certain sales stages. What's your advice for those listening who are struggling with their process? I would say if you're brand, the only asterisk I put by this is, is if you're brand new, Give it a shot. Give it a chance, because 
you don't ever, and we've talked about this on previous episodes, you don't ever want to be the person that comes in and says, oh, this won't work, and then try to do it your own way. People are being successful in it. So I'd say first things first, try to truly understand the process because there may have been really good thought put into it. And it may seem heavy, but you may find out why it's heavy because the qualification is challenging for customers or any number of variables could could cause it to be true. You, uh, I would say talk to the top performers in the company, hitters, no hitters. Find out who the hitters are. Find out what process they use. Do they, are they following this to the T or do they find that you know, step number three is arduous, so we skip number three usually. So talk to the hitters, understand what they do too. I would say this. If your sales manager is talking to you about not following the sales process, you're in real trouble. Like you, you're not that the sales yeah. process is not the reason that you're having that conversation. You're missing your mark. You don't have enough pipe. You're not going on enough meetings. If you're complaining about the process and you and your boss are having that conversation, you probably are weeks away from being put on a plan and trying to get moved out of the business. So if you're at this point and it's the last one for a reason, you're in real trouble and you need to find a way to figure out how to use that process or to get more meetings or to fill your funnel. It's probably not about the process. It's probably more about pipeline, right? No doubt. If, if, um, yeah, if this is coming into question, you're probably working on the wrong deals, which is making your sales process seem wrong. But if you, if you're working on 10 deals or 20 deals, whatever kind of volume you work with at your company, if if you're working on a really healthy pipeline, you can be more discerning on the on the deals you decide to engage with, which will all of a sudden make your sales process look really sexy. No doubt. So if you have one deal that's worth your quota and the deal's not moving through the process correctly, you're screwed. If you have 10 deals and they're all one-tenth of your quota, you're probably still in trouble because you don't have enough to cover your number for the year. You're not going to win everything. But if you got 20 deals that are all worth 10% of your quota, then you have 2x pipeline. You use the process, you move the deals through, you ask for help, and a lot of these excuses will go away. And, and, a, miss, and a miss and a loss will be far less put under the, the, the magnifying glass if you got if you got a big, healthy pipeline. A lot of this boils down to the size of your pipeline, which boils down to how many meetings are going on. Yep. I mean, it's called sales, people. That's what it boils down to. So... Last week, we talked about a number of excuses, the big ones. This week, we've talked about too much internal work. Your meeting count goal for me is way too high. Marketing isn't doing their job, and our process stinks. Um, Don't use these excuses. Find a way to to overcome the obstacle. Be above average. Um, If you need help, if you're really, really stuck, shoot us an email, info at techsellshow.com. Or find us on LinkedIn and connect and start a conversation via LinkedIn Messenger, and we'll be happy to help. Anything to wrap it up, Brian? No, actually, I've, yes, actually, I've had a, several people reach out on the book series and uh, say they read the books and they made suggestions on books. Please continue to do that. Awesome. Don't be average. Average is the enemy. Average sucks, people. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.